0: Where are we going? Welcome to this exclusive podcast produced by Spirit Watch Ministries that will show where life in our darkening times is now turning and how you can avoid the detours of deception through the hope of biblical truth. The Lord Jesus in Matthew 24 warned us over two millennia ago and how urgently we need to heed him now. Our host is Pastor Rafael Martinez, a seasoned Northwest Indiana-based minister, intercessor, and counter-cult apologist who will help you discern the journey of change we're all on as the last day of the last days now winds down. For more information, check out our Facebook page and our website at spiritwatch.org now. Here's Pastor
1: Raphael. Hello. Thanks once more for stopping by and for downloading our program podcast entitled Where Are We Going? I'm Raphael Martinez, a minister in the Church of God Cleveland Movement, and thanks for taking the time to listen in once more. This podcast is one of the services of Spirit Watch Ministries, an outreach of Christian discernment in our deceptive world that has been ongoing since 1993. You can learn more about us at our website, spiritwatch.org, and keep up to date using our Facebook and YouTube links there on the page as well. We write extensively on our SpearWatch Unchained blog, which has been around a few years, and we post there with updates regularly as as well. Uh, And we offer exclusive discernment content there that you won't find anywhere else. We recommend you try to surf around and find that as well. We hope you'll enjoy visiting there and as well as the website. And and while you're at it, invite all your friends, your tax collectors, your neighbors, your strangers, (laughs) uh, enemies, everyone, all points in between to listen in as well with you. Uh, We're always seeking new audience and we appreciate the help. The podcast has been focusing on showing us how to discern the deceptive nature of our times in the light of biblical prophecy regarding the return of Jesus Christ to our fallen world. With the savagery of our times getting worse, even as people are still doing all they can to fight against the tide of apostasy from decency, civility, and sound spirituality, there are still many choke points that impact us all so deeply. And cultism and damaging relationships, as well as defective spirituality, uh, are some of those. And we found the response to our reporting and sharing on these things so great that we've gone to two podcasts a week, which is pretty good for by vocational workers in a ministry that's always so pressed for time, resources, and energy. Our thanks to those special people who gave in our recent fundraising and pray for us daily. May God richly bless you a hundredfold in return.
2: Our podcast is devoted to providing biblical perspectives on the ongoing plunge of the world into the darkness of spiritual deception as foretold by Bible prophecy and the history of fallen humanity. And we've seen that, unfortunately. Uh, exhibit in so many tragic ways over the past few uh, years, and uh, the human history is certainly rife with that. And unfortunately, even in the quiet and uh, and you know down to earth places like like Columbus, Ohio, and and the and the fields beyond, there's all kinds of things going on behind closed doors which we don't like to think or even talk about. But that's exactly what we are here to discuss today, and that's to share with. Uh, a former Xenos uh, member uh, named Jade, uh, who is who was one of the very first people to actually reach out to us when we did our uh, – well, when Xenos uh, put forth the video uh, uh, that we had never agreed to have it publicly broadcast. Uh, when they put forth the video that was capturing my discussion with Xenos um, uh, leaders as well as with Megan – uh, who was a ex, uh, ex Remnant Fellowship member. Uh, we were interviewing them with a documentary that's still to come. It's still coming. It's on the way. Having, having (laughs) the reason why we're doing this was to do a a documentary. Uh, and, um, so they released this and, and, uh, Jade was one of the very first people to actually reach out and say, Hey, uh, there, there's some things I want to, I want to say, talk about. And, uh, and I, I we welcome you today to, to the, to the virtual studios of Spirit Watch Ministries. Jade, thank you for coming today and, uh, I appreciate your taking the time.
3: Hi. Yeah. Um, I'm glad to have the time.
2: Yeah. So there were some things you said that really bugged you, uh, about, <laughs> about Zenos' response to us and also to the uh, testimonies of others that have been shared about the high-handed is going on there, but before, yeah. before we discuss that, can you tell us about yourself and about, I understand you were in the, in the adult groups from 2015 to 2020 and you feel like you didn't quite fit the mold, but that's something because be <laughs> you. You, you there, there are a lot of things going on in your life that, um, you know, yes. obviously led you up to that point. Maybe can you can unpack a little of that for us if you don't mind.
3: Um, as I said, I am open as a person. I do have a background, um, you know, As a child, I grew up in a church, um, so okay. I, I did have a little bit of an understanding of uh, religion. I was in the Church of Christ, which I remember you mentioning. I don't know if it was like an international. Um, it gave me a foundation, and as sure. I went through later years of my life, um, you know, obviously I had no walk with God during that time, but I knew God. Right. I always knew God was with me. I always knew um there was a God. And um when I finally did have that moment of clarity where it's like my life needs to change. I need to change this. How am I gonna change this? Yeah. And um actually I was in the prison and uh Psalm one was being read and it was about, you know, the shaft and, and that was me. And I wanted to be a tree. I was pregnant at the time. Um, you know, and, and I wanted a new life for this, this baby, you know? So I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look to God. And I moved to Ohio shortly after. Um, and I got involved in a church that was great. Um, small group was great, but it was coming to an end just, um, you know, we were young moms. We were together. We were actually from different churches. We all got together. We prayed for each other. We prayed over each other. You know, as uh, different members moved out of the city, it was just so good, honestly. And as that broke up, that was really hard for me. One of the leaders had to go back to work full time. You know, another one was um, she was at actually life expectancy for a disease she had. It was CF, cystic. So I might not be saying that right, but, you know, it was a really hard time in her life and and the group is just kind of dissolving. And I knew some people from Xenox and it just made sense. It sounded great. And this was a church that really was committed to each other and staying together through all life storms, you know, no matter what. And that just sounded so good to me. You know, I had a young child, um, you know, and I wanted a new firm yeah. foundation. Yeah. Right. Sure, yeah. I um, joined the Xenox group in 2015. I was new to the area. I had moved here about a year and a half beforehand, and I um, had come from a, a, a background um, that I just wanted to change. You know, I was new to Ohio. I, I had desa- decided to... Um, kind of start a new life um you know and i knew god was the way i i um we'll just go back into the background you know i grew up in the church and i split off when i was about 14 i i got wild i got into drugs um i got into that was us right that yeah. wasn't. That was in another state. Um, right. I'm not from Ohio. Right. Um, so I got into adult entertainment and drugs, and I just lived that lifestyle. And uh, in 2008, I decided um, to, to really try to get clean. It was kind of jail or probation, or I'm sorry, jail or rehab. And so I went off to rehab. I did go AWOL. Um, I started drinking pretty heavily. I was just moving through uh, the states and the towns. And um, mm-hmm. I did find a, a nice uh, guy to marry. Um, he wasn't part of that lifestyle. But he um, just always provided somewhere safe for me to go. Um, one of God's many blessings. And, and I finally got pregnant um, with him. And, and I just knew I needed to change my life. So I, um, my first thing was that I had warrants out. I had some of the warrants out and my biggest fear was that I would, um, you know, get pulled over or something with a baby and that would totally disrupt the baby's life. And so I traveled back to my home state and turned myself in, um, spent a few months in, in prison. We don't have jails there. You could go straight to prison. And, um, you know, I prayed the entire time, you know, like just for mercy from the court. Um, and I was in a cell when, um, you know, they were reading Psalm one and, um, in the chapel. And, and that, that's what really gave me the focus to say this, this is what I need. You know, I was shaft and I wanted to be like the tree and, um, provide something new for my kid. So um praise God that the court did give me mercy, they um let me go and I traveled back to I was in Georgia at the time, I had my baby and we shortly after moved to Columbus and that's when I started looking for a church. I found a church initially that was great and I was part of the small group and you know, I wanna mention this because this is what A church should be. I mean, we were a group of moms who hung out once a week and there were women from other churches and we got together and we all prayed for each other and we loved each other. And a couple of these women moved away and we prayed for them and we helped them and we loved them. And, um, you know, that church dissolved and it was just because, you know, it was, it was the phase of life. We were a young mom's group. Um, but it was a very vulnerable time for me. I was, I was really wanting to, you know, just build a life that was healthy and, and right with God. You know, I knew I looked back over my history and I looked over, you know, the situations that I've been in, the people from my past. And, and I was just in such a blessed position and I wanted to build on that, um, And so I had some friends of Xenox and, and it seemed great. You know, this was a church that does community. They don't, you know, they, they go through the storms together. And, um, you know, I want to say I'm very understanding about that first group, you know, but for me at that time, it was very hard. And, um, and Xenox just seemed perfect. Right. And I went there, they had, you know, it was, it was an adult group. It was a mixed adult group, which was really nice. You know, there were a couple of older couples. There were couples my age. They had kids, my, my daughter, and, and I think I just had my son at that point, um, his age, you know, they had a school, we would be going to school together. Everybody was just so eager and happy, um, to know me, to know my story, you know, um, praise God for, 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 you know, bringing you to where you are, you know, and, and and that was the beginning of my time there. Um,
2: did you find a lot of people just surrounding you and just, just really just, uh, being so odd about what you said?
3: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, definitely, um, you know they were very interested in me and interested in what I overcame, i guess you know and 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 and
2: did they still pop beers afterwards
3: i'm sorry, say that again
2: did they still pop beers afterwards
3: well, you know, and that's interesting, I was trying to think of how to say that because it was like it it was very um you know it it was like I was always very open about my background um you know, I was very careful about things like my speech. Um, I didn't drink anymore. Um, I wasn't afraid of it. You know, I would, really, I, I, I probably had, you know, in the three years, you know, a few occasions where I had alcohol, but I was at a meeting one night and this girl and she was a leader and she was just kind of like, Oh, you like red. Right. And I was just kind of like, yeah. Okay. You know, and I didn't. You know, but and 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 I'm not. I I want to be careful because I'm not. It, it was just the culture there. You know, people yeah. drank, and and that was a little bit of a struggle for me. Not at first. Um, in that first group, it, there wasn't a lot of alcohol. It became more of a struggle in my next group that was a little bit younger. Um, there was there was a lot of alcohol, and it was just very focused around specialty alcohol and margaritas. And, you know, I guess that was the big thing. I always had a problem with liquor, um, you know, and I found myself sometimes insanely, um getting drunk. My, my husband was not in the group and he was never part of the church. And he really couldn't understand, like, are you really going to church? You know, like you're coming home at midnight tipsy. And, um, you know, that became a little bit of a problem for me um, in my life, in my marriage, in my addiction. Um, and there were there were a lot of warning signs for myself, um, you know, and I, I was open about that too when I, I was feeling certain things come up in my life, you know, that, that were from the past. Um, I, I went through, you know, a phase where I was just really angry all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, and in my past, I fought. You know, I was a fighter. I was on the street a lot. That, that was something that was like worrisome for me. And I could feel that coming out and I was very open with it. And it was, it was just like, or, or the alcohol, you know, I would mm-hmm. say, hey, I'm starting to feel triggered, you know, and the answers were kind of just like, oh, well, you're around good people now and you need to make good choices. And I'm like, I am, <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> I am. Um, but it wasn't enough. I mean, I needed something else. I needed some tools, um, you know, maybe a, a dry group, you know, there are no options like that in Xenox that I could find, um, a
2: dry group, Isn't like a, a group alcohol,
3: <laughs> you know, it, it just was part of the culture yeah. or, or, you know, I, I would say like, I'm going to find I me and there was this other girl. Um, who I kind of worked with, and she struggled a lot through the church too, and she has a history before me. Um, but you know, I said, you know, we're we're gonna make a group, you know, that's more like us." You know, the the mistress, and I used to say that a lot. Like, we just don't fit the mold. Like, some people don't fit the mold, and it, before it became bad, it was just like a joke to me. <laughs> And um, you know, I I not recognize that I think my discipler especially was kind of used to hearing this stuff and it wasn't a joke to her. Um mm-hmm. but there there was just a mold in Xenox, um, a way. You know, you do things and you kind of get with the program and recognize that you're around good people, you know, and 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 I like that say this too, uh, one of the things that I was told with the alcohol was, well, you know, it, it helps people loosen up you know, so they feel comfortable sharing more, and I, I that struck out to that's me, because I was just like, that's the Holy Spirit's job, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. if it, it's real, I yeah. mean, if it's real, like, and, and I mean, that's in the thing, Bible Xenox, somewhere, isn't it? <laughs> I, somewhere, you know, yeah. once or twice, but I mean, in Xenox, it, it was that, it was always a way to get you, um, you know, they, they tried to be very cultural, you know, they would have The cool parties and you would listen to the cool music. And again, you know, there, there are things maybe I'm more sensitive to because of my background, but I would just like some things like I try to be careful more, I guess about what I I put into my mind. Um, because I've opened that door and, and I, I would try to talk to them about that, you know, and especially with the kids, like sometimes I just thought it was kind of weird. Um. I, yeah. I, yeah.
2: I mean, there's, there's, there's this, you know, uh, <laughs> there is this culture in Xenos that is driven directly from the traditions that, uh, the leadership have, have introduced among them. And I want to quote a couple of things here. Tell me what you think about it. i I'm, I'm certain this is what, what this will help rationalize a way for Xeons people exactly why alcohol is such a, such a, such a, you know, uh, uh, kind of a, um, an un on what's, what's the word I want to use. Alcohol, alcohol use is so, uh, ordinary. Um, mm-hmm. he goes, uh, Jim Leffel, uh, he wrote, he wrote in one article once that, um, you know, uh, when he 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 actually writes, quotes Ephesians five eighteen, which says, "Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, instead be filled with the Spirit." Then he goes on to say, "This passage is of particular importance for two reasons. First, to teach you, it clearly teaches that drunkenness is a sin. This this does not, of course, teach that drinking per se is wrong. Rather, teaches that being controlled by the substance is immoral. Yeah. So. I-
3: you know, and they play that game there, you know they really do play that game there. It's like, hey, play with this but but watch it, you know, and it's a dangerous game. I've seen um you know some people struggle, and there was a girl in my home church who was separated from a husband um because he he was an alcoholic, and to my understanding, he kind of grew up there, and um he he was struggling with it now, they're young. You know, and there's just so many options, I think, for a young married couple, but I remember talking to her one time and being like, well, have you ever considered maybe a different church? You know, like, this just might be hard for him to stay sober, you know, yeah. if, if he continues in this church. And, and she was filing for a divorce a few weeks later. You know, and I, and maybe I, who knows? I, I don't know their whole relationship, but it, it was just like, so the church, it's the church. You have to get with the church and the church program, and you're supposed to be able to do these things, and you're supposed to be able to cuss, and you're supposed to be able to, you know, drink, and you're supposed to be able to listen to certain things, but do not let it get it into your head, and don't take it too far, Um, which I I, I guess there's a place for that. It, it, it's just so weird. It, it, it was just really weird for a church. Well, um, well yeah. right. The extreme that it is. Um, it's just all over the place. I guess all the time, you know, there that to the point where somebody who does struggle can't even find a dry group. I mean, that that just says a lot.
2: Well, and and it's amazing that you would have to say use that kind of verbiage about a church small group ministry that that there are wet groups and dry groups that you're seeking places where people don't drink, and and while there are a a preponderance of places where people who do. I mean, you're right. I mean, it's, it just absolutely blows your mind that you know that, that 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 this could be happening in a church uh supposedly bent upon you know he, you know hewing to the Bible, saying that we're we're biblically bounded and that we're and that we're we're doing all we can to to advance in Christian maturity when when they're obviously engaging in things that are undercutting that. I mean. They admit, you know, and I, I can go on and quote a whole bunch of things there. I'm, I'm not going to try to, but you know, in, in one, um, but there's one PowerPoint they have on the website that's probably going to be gone after we after I share this. Scott right. Risley, he 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 shares in his PowerPoint uh, called "Walking Wisely, Be Filled with the Spirit." He asks the questions: Why do we get drunk? We we do it to escape. We do it as a habit. We do it as social inadequacy. We do it as carelessness. We do it to feel good. Well, that begs the question. So you don't have to get drunk necessarily when you drink. That is true. That is. And that's his whole big point. You know, is that, Mm -hmm. you know, that's what Leffel said. He says, but the point is why, why should we even, but what they've never explained, why should you drink at all to begin with? They, 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 um, he, he quotes several passages in the Old Testament where drinking wine is approved by God and yeah. that Jesus drank wine and and he made wine first miracle and, and et cetera, et cetera. He goes on to say, and they said, well, see, wine, wine and drink is something that can be used by the Christians, but he doesn't explain, they don't explain how, and what they say is, is that, um, alcohol can be a good, this is exactly what, what, what uh, what he actually writes here in, in, in his, uh, PowerPoint, Scott, uh, Scott Risley, he says, alcohol can be a good gift from God when used appropriately. So, so, that begs the question, how do you appropriately use it? And well, you've, you already, know, I'm you've already, you not, mentioned that, how unless... they, yeah, you've already mentioned how they culturally justify that to make yeah. you loosen up. Maybe
3: it's a system of control of an, I don't, I don't know because they can give you a little bit and, and hold it over you and I, I don't know. But you know, that, that leads into another discussion I had with my disciple, if, if that's yeah, so, their point, is legal marijuana was something I struggled with. And so by those same standards is what I said to her, you know, and she said, well, you don't get drunk off alcohol. And I said, I bet the first time you had a beer, you got a buzz. You know, so uh, some people can use it responsibly. I don't know. That's between you and God. For me, what it came to with any substance is that I am to obey the laws of my land, and, and that's more of what I had to go through with marijuana. I'm sorry. I'm kind of going off track. But, you know, not every person knows. I mean, there is a real problem in this world with addiction just in general. And right. so you're really playing with that by telling people and and just making it so prevalent, excuse me, all over the culture of, of Xenox, you know, where it's just always there at, the, at every party. They're centered around it. Um, you just, you, you keep playing with this. Here, have this. Don't get drunk. And you don't know who you're going to, you know, who who's gonna when fall you, there?
2: When you say fall there, what were some of the things you saw that went on at these drinking social get ga- these social gatherings for drinking? I, what what, you know, what were some of, the, see, some of the fall I, you saw?
3: But I didn't. Well, me personally, I mean, for me as an addict, I definitely fell. Um, Other people, I do feel like there was, uh, you know, I, I talked about that one girl and I don't know her relationship with her husband. But to me, that would be probably, you know, somebody that grew up in Xenox culture um, was around it and and didn't didn't know that place um, of I forgot to stop and I'm sure there was a lot of that. I feel like I saw a lot of functional alcoholics, you right. know. And I remember saying that to one girl, and she would be like, "Oh no, he has just that that look on his face." And I'm like, I worked in bars for over a decade of my life. I'm an addict. I know somebody who's under the influence. <laughs> right. You know, I, I can, I, you know, and, and there was just a lot of that where people could probably functionally control. I think that they're just used to that lifestyle. Um, yeah. it, so as far as fall, I would say me, totally. I did. I really struggled a lot because I didn't like to drink alcohol, but I was coming um, up with more and more anxieties, and I was very open with them. You know, and we did have a lot of problems. My husband and I, you know, we had marital problems. I was a young mother um, coming out of the background and with no tools. I had three kids in a city, you know, with no family support, um, learning how to become healthy myself and raise healthy children. And I was just so overwhelmed with what I was supposed to do with Xenox on top of that. And I didn't do a ton. Like, I did not meet any le- Xenox expectations. Um, I definitely tried. You know, I went to the home churches. I went to the cells. I went to the CTs. I met with my disciples. I did, you know, play groups and meetups. I really tried with the, the leadership classes. Um, or I guess I don't know if it was a leadership, but there was, I, I took one class. Um, and supposedly it was the easy one involved. My, my, we had living you know, we're low income, we had, uh, living difficulties, you know, so we had a lot of stress. And in that time, um, I did, you know, start smoking marijuana and, um, I really struggled with, well, you know, what you said about the alcohol, why, why can't I smoke this? Like this helps my anxiety. Um, you know, I've debated over the years. Uh, Pro medical marijuana. I think there's a place. Maybe not for me personally, because again, I have to watch. You know, addictions. But um, mm. I, I fell. You know, I fell. I definitely fell. I, I think that I went in with the best intentions. I, you know, wanted so much to grow in Jesus, I, I wanted to learn as Xenox does like to study the Bible and they're good at it. I felt like I got a lot of good information there, um, but I could not handle the systems, you know, and, and I, my mind was overwhelmed and, and I would, um, start, you know, maybe at the end of the night I'd have a joint because I just needed to relax. And I I was like, well, what, what's wrong with that compared to having a glass of wine, Um, you know, I'm still at home and I would reason in my head, but I'm still living in a darkness, you know, because I couldn't tell anybody. And so I put myself in a darkness and, um, that was a huge struggle for me, you know, just wanting to live this, this new life, but yet living in a secret. And, um, it just caused so much anxiety. I was very open at the same time there too. You know, I told my disciple, like, this is what I'm doing you know, and, and, and I just, I don't know what to do. You know, I don't know what to do. And, and there was talk about, you know, praying more. I need to pray more. I need to study my Bible more. We kept going over Philippians. I mean, I, Philippians hmm. over and over and over. It, that was interesting because we would always go with love and just being with God and, um, where I need to be and one of the things I realized was I really need to look at where I was at you know um as I came out like I'm still not wasn't perfect I struggled but where am I at instead of continuing to be like God what are you going to do why haven't you done this I I need to pray more so I can get this house you know a lot of times they, they all live in the <laughs> same area and it was like well, you know, could you move over here? And it's like, if I can move over there, you know, I'm low income. Um, but instead of constantly waiting for God to give me that house or that carpool or, you know, this situation or my husband, it was like, what has God done for me? You know, I'm off the street. I, I'm not doing heroin anymore. I do have a stable family. My kids are in a great school. And, and I really had to, like, take a breath and stop being anxious about where God was going to take me and just be comfortable and where God brought me, Yeah, you know? And there was no room for that in Xenox. Xenox, you know, yeah. it was just like, no, you have to get to the next position. You have to, you're supposed to work up to leadership and you're supposed to um, well,
2: be part of the mechanism.
3: You are, you are. And our first home church, you know, broke up because we were not growing in numbers. And they noticed that we were really good at serving each other, good at loving each other, um, but we were not growing in numbers or leadership. We had a couple, and I, I really like to point this out because this is just such a good example to me. Uh, we had a couple there that came every single home church. They were part of the group for about three years. Um, they came to all our outreaches, and um, they were not part of our church. They were young. They were, like, maybe mid-20s. And they were apparently oldest members or older, the, some of the older members of a young church in their area. And so they would come to Xenos because they knew Xenos was good at discussing the Bible. And they would take that wisdom back to their church. Hmm. And so I was talking to my disciple one day and she says, you know, that they had a leadership meeting about this couple because it was time for them to shit or get off the pot. And I was just kinda of like, I don't I didn't understand that. Like they're yeah, the, they're sitting on the pot, you know what I mean? They're they're yeah, they're in wisdom. Sense. That that was the word, excuse. And <laughs> never I will never forget that shit or get off the pot. And it was just like, but they're they're in wisdom to take it back to their church, you know, and and the reason why they weren't confronted as she went on discussion was because they were bringing people to our home church. And wow. and that's such a good, you know, it, it gave me a visual of like You know, this young couple was building a kingdom. They would meet people. They would say, Hey, you know, like, for example, they brought an older Muslim couple to our church. You know, probably wouldn't have done good in a very young and I'm guessing very white church that they, they were leaders of. You know, so they brought them to our home church. Um, you know, they, they were fitting people into two churches. They had relationship building a kingdom, not their own numbers. You know what I mean? It was just, it was so different than the Xenox way of, you know, you're not really with us. So go. And then when our home church did dissolve, they did say, okay, you know, you've, you've got what you need. Go back to your church now. We, you're, right? You're done. And it's just very, you're with us. You're with our program. You're going to grow in leadership with us. Or you're not really necessary here. You're not productive. You know, Mm -hmm. you're not a, a working member.
2: Unless you're plugged into the mainframe.
3: Unless you're plugged into the mainframe.
2: Yeah, I mean that's the only worth you are in, in. In a movement like Xenos is if, is if you are a worker drone, putting out all you can before you drop dead. That's kind of what I, what I, we keep hearing over and over from virtually every person that we've interviewed. Is that your your value to your Xenos is is inverse to how much labor you do to advance the organization to be a to be a very faithful and very busy cog in every works that they have set up and it, it regards what the cost is to you.
3: Yes, and and that was. Uh, regardless of what the cost is, I mean, I think if you look in my experience, it was kind of like my, my marriage was definitely, you know, uh, just having a harder time, um, because of Xenos pressures. I was really taking out some of my stress on my kids. Um, again, I was just always very open about these things that I was dealing with. And, um.
2: What was their view with the, now you said your, your, hu- your husband was never involved in Xenos. What was their view on that?
3: Well, it was just a constant, um, you know, what can we do to get Sylvester interested? You know, would Sylvester be interested in this? Would he be interested in that? And, you know, at first it was great. I mean, when I went there, yeah, I want my husband to be involved. Now, my husband, um, does work very long hours, you know, and, um, you know, so that was always kind of the initial excuse. He's also just not a, a church guy. He believes was always kind of, you know, the thing I'd say, but they, they would constantly ask and try. And at first, you know, I appreciate it. But after a couple of years, it's kind of like, I'm here, you know, I'm here every, every, all the time with three kids, I'm involved, I'm invested. And, you know, that, that was really hard. Um, mm-hmm. Because I did see families like getting up and doing things together. Um, and, and I, you know, I, I can't get my husband, but I wanted to be part of, Um, but my work was not there unless we're complete. And, and I was just kind of told, well, that's how we do things, you know, and well, you know, I, we want to reach out to your husband and, and, and that's great. You know, I, I had to come to the place where it's like, God's going to do with with him what he's going to do with him, uh, when he's going to do, and, and feel comfortable on that. Um, but that was me personally. I always yes. got the pressure, you know. I always got, and then people just started stopped. They just kind of backed off, and and again, you just get the feeling or the impression that you're not, you know, as worthy. You, I didn't have the fruit. You know, if maybe if I had been living better, um, if You'd I had been, been, been more worse. of example of Christ, yes. if I, you know, then I I would have shined the light, and he would have came in. He would have saw the attraction. He would have came in. Now, my husband is a veteran. He has PTSD. He doesn't like large groups. You know, there's there's a lot of factors I think in this world. Um, you know, that go into different things that Xenos is just willing to uh just unwilling to acknowledge and and yes, we can overcome things with God's grace, his mercy, uh, totally. Um, but in his time, sometimes too, you know, again, it's just like my whole time at Xenos, it's like I, I just wasn't meeting the markers fast enough. And and, you know, we're in a lot more of a financial stable condition. Um, you know, our relationship is much better. You know, a lot of things have changed, and and that's God's time, and that's that's without the stress of, you know, I think just breathing and what God has given is is something that I had to do that just wasn't allowed in Xenos.
2: Yeah, because again, like, like I said a moment ago, you're you're defective goods. When you start showing that you're human, and that that life is not as cut and dry as they like to make it. Uh, just for the pure pragmatism of getting you connected and, and and a deeper part of a mechanism, but when when nothing works right in your life, it's because you failed somehow to to get with the plan because the plan's perfect, isn't it? I mean, it's just, yeah. if you do X, Y, and Z, then A, B, and C are going to happen. This is an absolute principle, right. yeah, which right. they're they're all about principles. <laughs> They're all about studies, about what the Bible says about things, and 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 so therefore, if uh, you're not meeting those, those, if 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 something's wrong with your experience, then something's wrong with you. Yeah, it, it, it could never be that possibly that the uh, the dogma shoving down your throat might have a problem,
3: can it? it? It was, it was. You know, I mean, it was the constant stress, and it, it was the inability to just change everything. You know, yeah. if my husband would have got a better job, if he would have, you know, moved right. to a better neighborhood, you know, that we would have been in the, a place where we could have got a carpool. So that would have made my life easier. Just different things. That it was just always like, well, if you did this, well, if you did that, if you could yeah. live here. Yeah. And they do very much stay together and group up. Mm-hmm.
2: Um right. and those, again those, those are more examples of of the kind of controls you know is really all about. It's not about edification. It's about manipulation. That's what uh, we've been saying consistently since the start of our investigation into the uh, last fall. I mean, there are two principles of of cultic mind control, uh, the process and and the and the, and the, the environment that, a, that any cult will create to draw people in and stay in that you just, that you just perfectly illustrated what you just said. There's the principle of doctrine of a person, no matter what like we just said, no matter what happens in your life, if it's wrong, it's because you failed to meet up to the standards of what you've been taught. The doctrine's flawless. It's perfect. It's above reproach. And so are those who, who advocate it. So therefore, a Jade, it was your problem. It was your issue. And, and, and so therefore that certainly is, is what's called doctrine of a person. They make the teaching infallible and you, the one, uh, somehow suspect you're, you're, you're doing it wrong. And then secondly, you mentioned the fact that they wanted everybody and they, and they, to this, they still insist everybody live within the grounds of Xenos. There's a culture. There's a lifestyle, there's, yeah. there's there's all, everything needs to be focused completely around Xenos, around everything. the homeschools, everything. Yeah. And that's called. Excuse me, to interrupt you. But this, uh, but this, that's that's called um, in, in cult mind control uh, principles. Is, it's called milieu control. It's when the entire environment of your life is completely controlled by everything they say and do. And these cult mind control principles are what I've seen in every cult I've ever seen in the forty years I've been involved in this. And you are just testifying once again that this is exactly what's going on. And I'm sorry to interrupt you, but go ahead.
3: No, I, you didn't. I think I was interrupting you. I, I did. I just saw it. I mean, they, they do everything together. Um, you know, inside and outside, and we are supposed to constantly, you know, bring new people in. I think that's one of the qualifications to become a leader. Um, outside of taking the classes, you are supposed to bring people in, disciple them. Um, right. you know, and when they don't work out, it's just kind of cut them off or or when they're not going to stay for whatever reason too far. I think I got the feeling I have a friend that's about 30 minutes away, you know, and there was a lot of surprise that I spent the time with her. Um, you know, she wasn't part of the church and she wasn't interested and she was a friend, you know, and, um, there was a lot of surprise, you know, like, Oh wow, that that's quite a drive, you know, aren't you kind of busy, you know, that kind of stuff. And then, she wasn't about the church you were just yeah. always supposed to be about the church um, mm-hmm. my kids knew that you know
2: Your kids knew that
3: they were in Calumet and they definitely knew that they were supposed to reach out they could also feel the difference I think I um you know being on the outside and like uh, they they weren't part of you know, and, and it seems so petty to some extent, like, oh, we weren't part of the corporals, but seriously, they, they just all did do things together, swap with one another, um, help each other. And it was very attractive. It was something I could have really used in different ways. Sure. And I just always felt needy myself. Um, mm-hmm. it was like, I, I'm, I'm sure I was considered a taker, um, needy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't have the support. And and I always just felt like, well, if I could move to that neighborhood, or if I could um get my husband to come in, I I'm willing to bet that would have followed.
2: Yeah.
3: You know, and I think you. Know,
2: there was always a program there, wasn't it? There was always some design they had for you to, to go by, right?
3: It was weird how people would come in and you really reach out to them, and then like for instance, there was this one couple who came in, and the husband was a pilot. Um, and I think he worked for the reserves or something like that, but, you know, he moved around a lot and they were obviously Christians and they checked out our home church. They had moved to Columbus. They checked out, you know, for six, eight, eight months and, and people were really excited about them when he got a job at interview or offer that would take him out of state. And I remember these emails being passed around about how they need to pay attention to their spiritual life. And, you know, God had placed them here mm. and they shouldn't take this job. And it was just like, this is a permanent job for their family. The contract would have gave them, you know, stay there for like 18 years, you know, and they're obviously Christians, but you know, in the Xenox world, if you are not with Xenox, and, you know, it's not just the program. It's the church, too. You know, if you're not part of Xenox, that's the Atlantic, you know, um, experience. And they will say that always. And I recognize that in the last year or so that every single home church had something to do with community. They would just keep talking about community. And, and afterwards, it was somebody would always say, you know, oh, I'm so grateful for God giving us this community. Oh, the, the lessons are great, but this is, this is the best thing ever, you know, having this community. And it was always just like Xenox, the community, the authentic experience, the real way to live for Jesus. Um, and that's, I think, why it's so hard to leave when you kind of know like, okay, I don't fit here and maybe I need something else. And I was like, when I first got involved, I was really eager to do like the prison ministry or something like that. And they were just kind of like, Oh, we'll see. We'll see. You know? And I, I look back and I realized I probably need to be trained first, but it's like, um, <laughs> who was I? I'm sorry. I kind of went off. Um, you're you're mentioning yeah.
2: that you, you really want to be involved in, Real ministry, real outreach, and it and it didn't quite, however, measure up to their standards.
3: Right, right. You just have to really be part of. You had to to know their way of doing things, and you had to be in their church. I guess is what I was saying originally. It's not even just like they are the authentic church. You know, and they're the authentic way of living for Christ, and they are, they are disciples of Christ, taking the word out. So we had to be trained in their way of doing things. I think knowing their answers, um, knowing the Bible is great. You know, and again, and I've, I've spoken to like members that have been out forever, and they'll say like some of those bosses are great, the way they dig into the Bible. Um, and then there's that. You know, that, that's the way they get you. I mean, when I first mm-hmm. started, I heard some of the rumors, but I looked at the doctrine, and it, it was great. It, it was great. The doctrine yeah. is great. It's just the way they really focus on community, accountability, and expectations. And all of that is good, you know, in a place. But, again, it's like... I, I think that they they try to move for God instead of letting God move. There's there's not a lot of spirit there. You know, there's just no uh, uh, waiting for God or resting in God or um, I, I would just say the Holy Spirit. There's no Holy Spirit.
2: Right. He he's not giving room there. That's what it sounds like to me. I mean, everything has to be drawn up and transformation uh, by God's direct action in us by the Holy Spirit is just, it's, that's bogus, man. We, we got to have results. We got to have butts in the seats. We got to see you do X, Y, and Z. It really is a human enterprise. It's, it's, it's not, it's not a divine one. I mean, that, yeah. and that's, and the sad thing is that they, they shout and preach and teach long enough to convince everybody, including too many so-called leaders in evangelicalism, that, uh, that what they're doing truly is a work of the spirit, when it's just the hand of man. It's church growth tricks.
3: Yeah, um, and, well, it's church growth tricks, you know, and, and that's funny because yeah, it's like, They say that they're multiplying, but I mean, other people have pointed out their numbers haven't really changed. And not only that, but I remember when our our home church changed, we dissolved. And so we took like five families into this new home church that was suddenly so big. And then I I can't, I think we had two splits actually, but you know, then some other people from college groups, adults from college groups moved up with their family. And so all of a sudden this new home church was so big and they split it and they planted a new home church. And it was like celebration, you know, like, Oh my gosh, we're growing. We're getting so big. Look what God's doing. And I'm just like, no, you rearranged. Really? You know?
2: <laughs> it's a shell it's game. Just,
3: right. It's a shell um, game.
2: Yeah. You're just fudging the numbers. It's, I mean, it's, it's like dominoes, you know, if or, or, you know, you, or checkers, you keep, Moving things around all the time. It looks like you're going somewhere. You're not. You're just bouncing around inside a board.
3: You know, and then they would talk about how excited they were of this group and how, how they're doing good things. And I heard that from other people, you know, that, and, and I, I have one friend who I just feel like she, she's kind of always been like, well, I'm there for Jesus, you know, and not the church. And, you know, that's who we're committed to. But at the same time, um, you know, they're they're very comfortable with this new leadership and the lack of the response you know from this or well, the same response right from from this new leadership
0: then I'm yes. just kind
3: of like but, but how are you guys changing um you know you think that pride has been the big problem in the church is what she says um but but there's no change. It's it's just yeah, moving things around and and um the same same speech, I guess, when people speak out. Right. And it
2: is it's it's very contrived their their public relations team has apparently they have a, a template they operate from and you know maybe a dartboard to go, to throw at to get answers for the latest thing with just six they or seven They do. I clean
3: people. there. They do. They do. I clean there. I clean their offices. They do have a big whiteboard with yeah. lots of ideas and lines that connect to other lines. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's, that's perfectly in keeping with the corporate model of leadership, isn't it? You, you know? know,
3: I never went through the papers or anything like that, but I always wonder what's sinister in there. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so you were involved to that extent. You were you were actively involved in serving and cleaning and volunteering there, and then.
3: Uh, uh, I didn't volunteer. You know, I was paid. I did work. Um, yeah, I started catering there. Um, I was a hard worker. I was a good worker. And I I got through, I think, and and a decent reputation. You know, my bosses were awesome. There's a lot of great people there. Sure. You know, and I think, um, you know, I I really look back and I (sighs) – I, I just hope the church will, you know, kind of open up and, and start looking at that. It's, yeah. it's not an attack. I want to make that clear. I mean, maybe for some, some it is. And yeah, to some extent, I mean, they're going to have to totally change, I think to change the problem, but yeah. you know, there's a lot of great people and, and they were those same people that were like, well, we'll see what happens, you know, uh, before we get to this next level of like, of volunteering. I'm thinking of the prison ministry. Um, you know, that was really interesting for me because that that was somewhere that really, you know, helped me realize like what was it I needed to change my life and I wanted to be involved in that. Even if I didn't have all the Xenox answers. I I, I would have cleaned toilets. Sure. You know what I mean? I do clean toilets and <laughs> um you know, there there was just none of that. It just really is what you have to get your life in order. You have to learn our doctrine our way and, and then we'll make use of you. And um
2: And that use will be just making other people do the same thing over and over and And, over again. Yes.
3: You know, but that's another thing. It was like, I started realizing, like, we're not really serving anybody but ourselves either. We're bringing people in and we're serving ourselves. I really don't see a lot of growth in, in their, their, you know, their like inner city ministry. I live in, in their, their target area. Um. Now, when we first started the school, uh, there was the option to go to the city school. And uh, we were all kind of scared. There was a bunch of in, uh, incoming kindergartners. So we checked off the box that we would leave that as an option if we couldn't get into Calumet. Well, by the time they called me to say, hey, yeah, it is going up. Would you still be interested? I was so scared of the school from all the stuff that, I mean, the way that people talk about, you know, this ministry. It was just like, Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to go to that school. And, um, I ended up moving two blocks from, from that area. And, um, you know, I, it just gave me a very different perspective of how they talked about the families, like uh, hard to communicate with, hard to love, um, hard to reach, so broken. And, you know, it's like, oh man, you know, these people, whatever's Going on in their family, they are you know saving every year for registration fees. They they've got their kids, um, you know, education line, like they're not that horrible, you know. And and it was just like uh, the the renegade program, you know. I remember guys saying, "Oh yeah, people are so quick to drop their kids off." And I live down the street from a grandmother who raises for grandkids. She uses these programs because she's tired, you know. But it, it's just like the attitude in Xenox of, of how they view people that use their ministry. And and I would say that reflects on the fact that I could not find a home church here. You know, towards the end, I was looking around like, okay, I don't fit with these people. These are white collar people. They have money. We're totally different worlds. We have different perspectives. Um, I would like to be around somebody else, you know, that maybe I can communicate with better. And I could not find a single anything you know, in their area of outreach,
2: That's which is
3: just really goes to show, yeah. you know, that that as much as they're putting out the front of, hey, we want to love and we want to serve the city. Well, what what fruit do you have from that? Yeah, you know, I I don't see anything, and and what I did see was just serving each other. You know, we would bring people in and we would bring them foods, and <laughs> we would throw them baby showers, and that was serving each other. You know, and we would pray for each other and that was great you know I appreciated my meal train um, you know there are those things that would have been more sense in my life and I remember a preacher once saying um, and this was outside of Xenos I like to listen to you know other, other things but he said if you're not serving somebody in a way that's needed it, it's not service and mm-hmm. and yeah. you know I think Xenos and I guess I, I it goes back to what I'm thinking with Xenos it's like they. they do try. And I know people that are really stressed out right now, um, you know, that are still in the church trying their best to just be everything, you know, and serve and serve and serve. Um, but it it just seems like they're serving the church and I, it it just, you're not really serving people the way that that's necessary. You're not, you're not showing your light. You're, you're just, they're they're serving themselves. I don't know.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it is. That's that's exactly what it is. And that's not. That's not multi. That's multiplication in only the most cold and religious way you can do that. I mean, uh, anybody can create an organization. Anybody can grow one by replication, as Dennis McCallum might continually reiterate. In housing, us is meant to grow through all these close relationships. Well, well, yeah, you can develop a lot of. You can develop a million close relationships in a place like Zenas, but what is the quality of these relationships? And what They're are the, gone right? And what are these young people there who don't know anything about, who have no life experience about relationships yes. or boundaries? What are they learning about life and how you're meant to treat people? I mean, it's really yeah. it's, a, it's a
3: horrific thing, you know. And that's part of the, at the end. There was so much trust with me involved, but I started looking at my kids and. And I was taking some of my stress out on them, and that was a real wake-up call for me. But, you know, I also started looking at, like, I I don't want them raised here. You know, and it was so sad because that's what drew me to Xenox, but that's also what got me out. I did not want my kids um, being raised to think like this, act like this. I honestly couldn't see one role model I wanted for them you know, and I was in a place in my life where it's like, I need to get myself straight, and I need some role models, but I definitely don't see anybody here I want my kids to grow up and look like, and yes, after that first home church, it was kind of weird, because all these were my closest friends, you know, we had text changed, but when we changed home churches, they were just gone, they were done, I was supposed to make new closest friends with people, you know, and, um, I didn't really hear from the old people. That was really weird and strange for me. Um, and, and so I saw that with my kids and more recently, you know, as we left Xenox, there was one family that we stayed close to, um, you know, that we, and my kids were just really close to, um, that, Relationship just seems to be done. Um, and that's very hurtful. That's and true. I do yeah. wonder about those kids. Like, what, what were these kids told? The friends of mine, uh, my kids, like, what were they told? You yeah, know, because I know they, I, I know one especially really cared for one of my kids. And, um, I, you just wonder how that, that's, that, that's gotta yeah. be confusing for a kid. Yeah, it, it's sure. really gotta be hard and especially a young sure. age.
2: Yeah. So, what was the precipitating event? What was the moment in which you decided uh, this this had to end? You, you had oh, to go. Wow. Out?
3: Um, there were so many moments. Honestly, there were a few red flags. I mean, that couple was a good red flag. There was a weird sit down. Um. Uh, a discipline meeting that was a red flag. Um, that I didn't know about, and it was just after such a strange. I mean, the fact that she was being disciplined um, was just so strange to me. Um. You know, we, we basically sat down and they had told her that she wasn't committed enough. And this was after a ma- major, um, excuse me, a major accident, um, where it, it, she had, um, at her house involving another child, you know, and, and so, um, she's pretty busy, you know, and they kind of cornered her and that was a major red flag for me. Um, I remember being horrified. I remember saying something like, I had no idea because she, she had been pleading like, oh, um, you know, like nobody was there for me. And I just remember feeling horrified. Like I had no idea because I had thought, yeah, you know, I was someone new. Um, and I had thought she had friends and, yeah, you know, so that lot, was my, like, very... there were a lot of little red flags that kind of was like yeah, weird, yeah. but I think what really opened my eyes, um, was something that I did you know and and it was me um there was a girl that I was working with, and um she was um, she 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 had been in now the church for a couple of years she was a single mom of two boys her her living situation was a, a bit out out of the ordinary. And we used to get on her a lot about that. Um, you know, again, I, I feel like I need to keep saying, I, I want to look at what God does for people. And I think Xenos needs to do that because she was in a safe place, you know, and, and we didn't focus on that. We just focused on how to get her better and more like us. And, um, you know, I was starting to realize that she was probably only a step below me. And, um, I, I really, oh man, um, I had these feelings of doubt and, and everything and, um, yeah. the, the community. So I, I kind of threw her under the bus. Um, she had something pop up and I put her on blast about it because I wanted to see what the community would do and they didn't do anything and they just stepped back and she was forgotten about. And that's what for me was like, and And it's so horrible, and you know I need to say that publicly um and i've I've said that to her, I felt so horrible, I did it um you know, and I went back and I said to them, look i I did this to her, you know she's not here anymore she's she's you know totally humiliated, she's not here anymore, um and that, that's my fault,
2: yeah.
3: you know, and um they were just like, oh no, um." Even if she never believed in God in the first place and oh she wasn't committed and all this kind of stuff. And, um, that, that's what did it for me. Um, you know, I stayed for a couple more years after that. Uh, my kids were in school, I was working there and I needed the job. Um, but honestly that, that I, I, turned and, and that's what turned me down the path of, I think, um, you know, I started struggling more with the anxiety, um, And, uh, myself, I just, I was a downward spiral after Mm -hmm. that, which led Mm -hmm. to me just, um, slowly, you know, withdrawing. I (coughs) withdraw, excuse me, from, uh, the cell group first. I told them, you know, it was just such a struggle in my marriage and I had to withdraw from that first. And then I stopped going to CT as much. I, did cater, you know, the weddings from, you know, 2 p.m. till 10 p.m. And then I would do the cleanup crew from 10 to 2. So getting the CT was hard um, the next day, especially with three kids. I started going to um, the evening churches because I was just like, I still want to go to church. I still want my kids to go to church. And that, I always just got really weird um, reception from that. Like, you know, they, people would kind of be like, why are you here? you know, at this time, instead of with your home church. I mean, you're supposed to do everything with your home church. You know, you went to CT with your home church. You sat with your home church afterwards. Um, You know, I remember one time, like, my mom came from out of town, and we were having a lunch after home church. And it was, like, the first time we ever did this. And so everybody was there. They had their tables set up. My mom gets a plate, and she goes around the room, and she's just piling food on the plate. And she comes back, and she's like, they're looking at me where and it was my first lunch, too, but I had looked around and read the room, and I was like, I don't think you were supposed to go to every table. Like, you literally, it's weird because you're in this huge church, but you literally do everything with that own church. And, um, you know, so it's like, I I, I really, I think that, that that event really woke me up to say I'm done with this group but I wasn't necessarily done with the church. I was, I was trying to find other ways because I liked the idea of Xenox. My kids were bugged in there. I was trying to find other ways. Like, you know, no church is perfect. Okay. Maybe it's just this group, you know, whatever. Um, So I did kind of just withdraw slowly. And then at COVID, I just stopped, you know, I just was like, I'm done. I'm good. And, and I, you know, that was really hard. Um, I I felt like I was on a really good road of just feeling good and then this stuff popped up you know with the with you guys interviewing and that interview with um Conrad and and the other the other girls, she yeah, that that was just so weird. I mean, that was the weirdest interview I've seen. Uh, a church leadership, just the way they reacted. I mean, woman, the woman, she's a beast, and I give her respect. Um, but that was such a weird. I I just wanted to sit her up and take her hands off her face and hair and be like, "Are you serious? You're representing Jesus, <laughs> you know?" And this is your response. And I guess that that just woke up something in me that was just like, "This this is not right." You know this. This is not right, and and I I want to say that you know um, you know I was I was not right. You know I'm not perfect. I'm I definitely you know, but church leadership, and I guess that that's something I really took away. Like the fact that they just make leaders. It's just like okay, pass these classes and move on to the next level, and the heart is not there. And I, I think that really showed in that interview. I think that really shows in in my experience, in the experience that I've witnessed from some other people that these these leaders, these people that have these words, they're they're, they're Pharisees. I mean, they just their heart is not there. Um, I mean, it's sad. It's so sad. And I'm so grateful that I knew God. You know, I'm grateful that I had you know, horrible experience that I can look back to and say, God was there. There is a God. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't know what Xenox would have done to me if that was my first introduction to to religion. And that's just not okay.
2: Yeah, yeah. And you're right. I mean, the, the interview with Kate Mazzella, I believe that's who you're speaking about, you know, mm-hmm. she um, she really, it just really amazed me at just how completely Generic and bland and completely predictable that that their response would be. I mean, we needed to give them the time. We needed to give them the opportunity, you know, to kind of you know indicate you know where they were coming from. And as they did, you know, it just it just got really, really sadly, ultra predictable. And we only had thirty minutes too, by the way. <laughs> to and so what we were finding out is that what they were doing is just going on and on and on in this very detached emotional yes. kind of way that, that there really is, um, no, nothing going on wrong there. There's, there's, there's really, yes, there's some bad apples in the bunch. Yes. There's some problems. Uh, we agree the Bible, what the Bible says about late counseling. And what really amazed me was, it's just how incredibly, uh, rank closing they saw and and my uh, kate said this let me let me get your response for this she said speaking as a woman i've never experienced this or witnessed this in my entire time in Xenos well now this is in the letter of the emails so it wasn't in the interview but you you'd have to read uh, it's on our website there uh i i asked her a question about about what we had found out from the people we interviewed and and we'd heard and something that I'm, I know many in the college groups certainly can relate to is the fact that male students were provide leniency with their infractions, while the female students were harshly dis- disciplined and made to feel like they were the bad guys. And then she says, speaking as a woman, I've never experienced this. or witnessed this in my entire time in Zenos Dwell. And as a woman elder who is deeply concerned about the fair and equal treatment of women in the church, I would be the first to take issue with it. Well, uh, I think she she knows more than she wants to say. I think there's a party line there that she didn't want to violate. What What are your comments on that?
3: As far as women in the church, I I don't know. I mean, I didn't really have experience with my husband. I, I mean, maybe because it was like semester couldn't do no wrong, um, you know. And we we definitely struggled through our relationship. Um, as as I would say the women have a lot, and they seem to do a lot of the teaching. They're supposed to kind of stay at home and make house, um, unfair treatment of women. Now, I've, I've heard a lot of things. I, I guess going back, it's like some things I could see where I remember girls just being on diets. Um, and, and I would kind of question why, or they'd have to stop drinking wine for a little while because, you know, they need to lose the weight. Um, they looked good and healthy. You know, I've never really had a problem with my weight. So that wasn't something that was brought up to me. Um, sexually, I could see where, where people are very, it's weird because it's a very liberal and yet conservative church. And, and no, the thing Talk, there wasn't much talk about sex and it was almost like the other way like oh this isn't a sexual thing this is a health thing or um i'm just thinking of one example i have as as far as women treatment in the church you know there just seemed to be a lot of depressed women honestly i don't know if there was a burden or what they went through i mean looking back i could see where like some of the people i'm thinking of yeah i mean we we gave the girl I was talking about, um, that I, that I heard, um, you know, we gave her a hard time about her weight. Um, I, I think that women are to mostly defer to men there. I could definitely see that, you know, some of these, these, I remember the kids that Katya met, um, some of the older boys, it, it just kind of shocked me because it, it They just were a little big for their britches, I Mm -hmm. guess. Um, And 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 looking back, that does seem a little bit more for some of the boys stuff that was overlooked. I I could see that, but I didn't. I didn't have much of experience of seeing that I was some type of way because I was a woman.
2: Right. Well, because you were in a different culture within Genosha. I was. You you were not in college groups. You were an adult.
3: I could see, like, I listened to a lot of these stories, and I'm like, okay, I don't think the adult group is that bad. As some of the college kids, they moved up, though. (laughs) You know, those those college kids that that stayed in the group, they moved up and they became adults. And I do think, um, you know, that there might be less of a harsh focus on the adult groups, just because, you know, I mean, they say that the focus is on younger the younger kids, um. So I think I, I could imagine by that time that you make it to an adult group or to a certain stage in your life, you're kind of either somebody or you're not. Yeah. You know, and and we did have that. You could tell people were somebody or they were trying to be. There was definitely a competition. Yeah. And it was it was a lot like high school. Mm-hmm. You know, in different in different ways, you kind of felt like you're back in high school with the girls. They never really grew up. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and that's unfortunate the way things typically are in movements like that. When it's it's almost spiritually incestuous. Everybody's turned inward. Everybody's in looking inward and modeling each other and comparing each other. Yes. And and, and the Bible yeah. itself says, you know, those who compare themselves with themselves are not wise what the scripture says
3: (laughs) very much i mean i used to say it was a mold i have to be like the mold i don't fit the mold and like i said i thought that was a joke at first they didn't um they There is. you know they model each other they parrot each other and
2: right well i think in in in, as we get ready to wrap up here i think our time with kate and conrad like i said was not surprising uh we understood that they we only had 30 minutes we didn't think that there was going to be this sudden Jonah-like lament where they're tearing sackcloth and ashes before us and repentance, uh, we, we do expect a little care. Yeah, we, we yeah, we, we had hoped for a little bit of, uh, more candid discussion on, but they, they, they towed the party line, which is pretty expected. And, and so therefore when people like you and others know and recognize that there is, there, where there is smoke, there is fire and And understood that they were just really just 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 basically you know blowing smoke back at us we 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 understood that's where where it was going and uh, I was rather amazed that they actually even put that on their own private little youtube channel for a time and let people watch it so i was oh, yeah. I was, I was curious how how intentional uh that little bit of a, of uh a, of a protection against what they knew was coming uh yeah. came down to so
3: well, I imagine um, they're very quick to, to get their side of the story out first. Yeah. Oh, absolutely.
2: Yeah. And that's, and that's what's been going on ever since, since, since after that came the NBC interviews and then became the, uh, um, mm-hmm. the, 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 the new, uh, websites coming out, the, now the billboard, now the daily Beast. So there's all kinds of things coming up that are very co- inconveniently, uh, uh, and, uh, leaving, uh, Zenos and Dwell on a very, very, uh, Unknown plane. I don't think they've ever had this much problem before. No. And I'm just glad that uh, we have our own <laughs> small little part to place. And 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 we're not here to make trouble. We're here to expose what needs to be exposed and, for, and call them to change. And that's something they don't get there because they yeah. obviously don't see themselves as having a problem. So, so how you been doing since then? Since you've left, how how what's life been like for you since? How, how have you been doing?
3: You know, it was really hard at first. I mean, it was a big change. Um, you know, it's really hard on the kids and that's again, why I wanted to speak out or say something out of voice. Um, because I I feel like a lot of these stories are from younger people without a lot of life experience. And I know from my kids, like, it was just just a, like a, a change of, of life. Um, so that was hard. And I think, um, for a while, you know, I had a lot of anxiety. What are they saying about me? Do they say anything about me? Um, that's almost hard, you know, because you, you cared about people. Um, there was a lot of of hurt there. I still had my daughter in the preschool, um, for a year, and there was a lot of anxiety going. Um, and, and then I just, I did start to feel a lot of peace. It was really hard for me to find a new church. Um, I haven't done that at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, i really I really do struggle with that and and sure. and trying to find God um, and go back, I think to to um, where I knew God best and mm-hmm. go from there. but th- it's really hurt with with as far as you yeah, know, right. I just feel a lot of anxiety when I w- walk into a church i've mm-hmm. I've run into um, a random member here and there, and I've gotten some anxiety, and that really struck me, um, because I'm an addict, you know, and I can go around other addicts, and I can go in certain situations, and I've never had the anxiety that I have, yeah. um, when I think about Xenox, and then when this, I, I, I really feel like I was coming to a place of peace when, when this kind of came back up, and, and mm-hmm. I like, do get anxiety when I think about this, yeah. and, um, you know i think the biggest thing for me is the struggle of who god is to me um, and, and it's just been a hard process it, it's been really hard it's really hurtful that um, that a church you know that a place where people go you know for safety or jesus or whatever would just have uh this this happen Um, the experience of so many I mean you know everybody's going to have a bad experience somewhere or something it's just so many for so long Um, but the sad thing is that
2: so many people like you who approached a place like Xenos came mm -hmm. with with open hearts and open hands you came to give yourselves to God and to serve others and you found out this was no place for that kind of that kind of desire to actually grow.
3: Yeah, and it just hasn't sat well with me for over the last few years, and it really has um, messed with my vision of the church. Um, so, I'm sorry, hold on, Kara, can you give me just a minute, please? Um, so it, it's been hard. I feel like I'm in a good place um, spiritually. Uh, I know, I know God has um, brought me through a lot in my life and, um, I know God's got a lot more for me.
2: Yeah. Um, as far
3: as what a church community is in my life, I'm not, I'm, I'm just, I'm not sure. <laughs> sure. Um,
2: That's a big question and totally understandable in light of what you've experienced, in light of what you've encountered. You know, a lot of people. You know,
3: I hate that. Human. I really yeah. hate that. I, I, I yeah. do, and it, it's so sad because I want to raise my kids in the church, and then there's just different things that I keep being like, "Oh, but they're this." Oh, but they're yeah, that. and and yeah. I keep having to remind myself, no matter what, I'm not going to find the perfect church. Um, yeah. I guess, yeah.
2: And that will come as as you as you embrace, you know, where you are as you move through that, you know, the questions, you know, that's what, you know, getting, getting good counseling, if necessary, professional therapy, you know, I'm a pastoral counselor, you know, I, I can certainly share with you more off, off site here and then just if you like, but, but that kind of counsel comes. And with that, you know, the, the door to healing opens only when you start feeling safe enough to open it. And if you're not there yet, then it's understandable. And I know God, like I've been, I've been in the ministry for, you know, for almost 40 years, and I know God's not threatened by our absence from a church building.
3: No, you know, and the one thing I have comfort in is, you know, the Bible says when two are more gather in his name, you know, he's with us. And I feel like I have conversations with neighbors. I have conversations with my kids. I have conversations with my husband. You know, we can still look and talk and pray and be a church together. And and, and we can build ourselves before we find, you know, other built walls. Um, It's kind of where I'm at right now.
2: Right. And that's, that's I love
3: God. I know he's, he's just done wonders in my life. I thank him for opening my eyes, you know, and being with me. And, and, um, you know, I hope that, you know, others can see that and, um, you know, just be careful with other people's lives. Um, you Mm. know, because again, I do have an experience with God from before and, and, um, you know, not everybody does. And, and right. I really think about, you know, that Bible verse, what is it like in Luke, um, where he talks about, you know, leading the little ones astray and how it's better to tie, you know, something around your neck than, than to lead the little ones astray. And, um, yeah, I, I, I just, I, I do feel concerned with people who, I, I wonder how many people go to Xenox and really believe. Versus they're there for the community, they're there for the experience, and, and when they have a bad experience, yeah, and, and not saying anything against those people because Xenox draws you in that way. You mm-hmm. know, where it can be very confusing, Um they draw you in with the experience and then to be left with a bitter taste and, and to put God and Jesus with that, that's, that's just not cool. It's just not good, I just, I hate
2: Absolutely. that about that. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, and that's again, part of the reasons why we are doing these podcasts to let people know that God is a lot bigger than the Xenos box. He loves, he, he loves the world so much he gave his son for it. And that love is bigger than anything that Xenos might try to tell you otherwise is what really is love through them. Yeah. You know, and that's, and then, and that's my, that's certainly something that I'm hoping, I'm hoping and praying that those who we've, uh, been listening are catching and coming away with and understanding that, you know, that, um, God's a lot bigger than anything they've ever seen yet. And, and Xenos certainly in, is included in that. So, uh, before we, before we go, uh, is there anything you'd like to say to anyone who might be listening? that is in Xenos, that, that you may have uh, remembered, friends, uh, any sort of associations there. Is there anything you'd like to say to Xenos? I want to give you a few minutes to kind of share from your heart and uh, well, anything that you'd like to say.
3: You know, one of the things that made me initially raise my hand, I guess, was when I was in a conversation with a friend, um he was still a member of the church and I was I was just sharing my concerns and all that kind of stuff and and her response was wasn't there anything good about Xenox and you know I I kind of shocked me the question I it it took me off guard I didn't know how to respond I was just like well you know uh the education for my kids and and you of course you know, but I went home, that question had really bothered me. And I know how things are said in Xenox and and kind of written off. And I was like, I wonder if this is something that they're saying to themselves. Like, oh, we're not perfect, but, you know, we love people and we serve people. And and, and wasn't there anything good? Don't you remember that? And it's kind of like going back, no. You know, it wasn't worth it. You know, there was a lot of great things. There were some good relationships. You know, I care about um, people there. And, and, and they showed me love, but it wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth the anxiety I went through. It wasn't worth the, the, the problems that I think resulted from it. God would have showed me good, good relationships somewhere else. He would have gave me good things. And, and I, I think that if that's, if that's being said, I want it to be known that your, your good deeds don't outweigh hurt. But that's caused. Um, you know, it's not just hurt feelings. This is an experience that's shared so wisely, widely. Um, a system is 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 not it, the, the hurt feelings are a, a a symptom or a result of of a system that is is not done correctly. Um, and and I hope that Xenox people will not say, well, we did our best. I mean, hey, isn't it good enough? We're not perfect. Well, when you're leaders, you are held to a higher account, uh, which is why I think people need to be cautious before entering into leadership too quickly. Um You will be accountable for that. Yeah. You know, and um just be careful because it <laughs> wasn't worth it to me. You know, there were some great times, but it just, it wasn't worth it to me. I, mm-hmm. I've gone through so much bad, worse, and worse technically stuff that I can even look back and be like, you know what, that was worth it. I grew from it. I, I saw God through it. You know, I, I was able to, you know, anchor on to God because of it. And this is not one of those experiences. This is not an experience where I can say anything was worth it, right. you know, going back. Nothing, and right. um, that again, it's just so sad for a church. Yeah,
2: but there were good things in spite of the situation. I think you certainly went in there with the right spirit, the right mind, as so many others do. And no movement like using us is ever entirely evil, uh, but it's just good people caught up in a situation, uh, struggling people caught up in a situation, hurt people caught up in a situation that that really leads them astray and down into even deeper depths of bondage and uh and 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 it's sad that so many good people are involved so much good so much energy and zeal just turned inward and misdirected and i really do appreciate your willingness to come on and and share so freely from your from your heart and mind about that uh
3: okay great thank you for letting me talk just let me go on
0: thank you Thanks for listening today as we explore just where are we going. Our prayer is that you have been encouraged and strengthened and, if necessary, challenged in your daily journey through life. Jesus is coming. You can fall with the night or you can rise with the sun. The choice is yours. You can email us with questions and comments at feedback at spiritwatch.org. And if you need urgent personal spiritual help, email us at help at spiritwatch.org. We look forward to hearing from you. Please follow our podcasting at our Facebook page and our website at spiritwatch.org. This podcast is a production of Spirit Watch Ministries, Taking Heed That No Man Deceives You.